Well, good morning, everyone. This is Memorial Day weekend, a weekend where we celebrate and we remember the sacrificed lives of many, of millions, in fact, over the years who have served us through the United States military. This holiday, originally named Decoration Day, started or was started to be followed after the Civil War, and it was officially made a federal holiday to be followed in 1971. This holiday, many people celebrate boating, fishing, picnicking with family gatherings, or some was going to cemeteries, decorating grave plots, and remembering the lives of the fallen. Today, we celebrate and remember, this weekend, we remember the lives of many that have fallen before us. Those who have served us so that we might have freedom. It's also a great illustration reminder of the ultimate sacrifice laid down for us, and that is Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. John 15, 13 says, Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Well, we have many to celebrate, to remember today, who laid down their lives, not just for friends, but for strangers, not just for people of their day and age, but for people to come in futures before them. I believe the very definition of a hero is one who values the life of others above their own, willing to sacrifice one's own comforts, desires, and or their life so that others may have that life themselves. I would like to show respect to the millions of men and women, the heroes who have fought and died for us in our freedoms in a quick prayer as we open up this morning. But I also want to remind you to remember their sacrifice and his sacrifice. Remember their sacrifice, but also remember Jesus' sacrifice. He gave you freedom, not just from this world now, but forevermore we can be seen as righteous in the eyes of the Father, and we can have life everlasting. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this great day that we have and this great weekend that we have to celebrate and remember the lives of those lost, the lives of those that have laid their lives down so that we might have the freedoms that we have today. Those who have served and died in the United States military, the millions of individuals now today. Lord, but we also celebrate and remember the life of Jesus Christ, your only son who sent for us so that we might have life forevermore and freedom in you. The bondage of the chains are broken, and in Christ alone, we find true peace, true joy, true hope. Lord, we pray today that you would be exalted, you would be honored and glorified on high. We pray for your loss to be found, and we pray that the saints would be edified, always growing in the knowledge of you. Lord, we pray for those who are here today, keep us safe. Lord, we pray for those who are apart from us, keep them safe. And Lord, guide our minds, guide our thoughts, guide our words so that we might focus on you. Speak through me now today so that we might learn from you. And it's in your holy and powerful name we pray now and all God's people said, amen, amen. Well, thank you once again for tuning in or for being here this morning as we continue to worship God. And let's follow along as I read Psalm 23 now in the ESV version where it says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, 
For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Today is week five, verse five of the Psalm 23 series called Fearless Living, Living in Light of a Shepherd. The words of Psalm 23 are not just for our some days, but our every days. The shepherd leads the sheep to green pastures beside still waters. He protects and leads through our death valleys. Jesus shepherds us through our lives. But in verse 5, the image suddenly changes. We have a feast of peace idea, a feast in peace idea, an image of feasting in the presence of the Lord. The protector we have spoken so greatly of is also a bountiful provider for his followers, his people. And you can find peace in dangerous times when you sit with the Lord at the table he prepares for you. We here have a royal banquet and you are the dinner guest. You are the VIP, the one and only, and he cares for you and he shows it to you and to your enemies now. God is no longer seen just as a shepherd, but as a host. The image has changed, and we have a lot of the same ideas portrayed as earlier verses of Psalm 23 showed us. We have food, guardianship, danger surrounding us, but we see God as a gracious host and his people as guests at his great table. The first point I want to make to you is this. The feast is provided amidst great conflict. Remember verse 4 and look to verse 5 from earlier. We are being guided through a valley of the shadow of death. We are told that the enemies are in our presence all around us. Yet we have a table before us prepared and to sit down and to feast in peace. God allows us to feast in peace as he hosts this great meal and as he shields us from our enemies. Life involves not just work, but conflict, great conflict. At times, it may seem as though our enemies are as numerous as the stars in the sky, and our days are as dark as night as we feel surrounded by their presence. Let me say that again as I got somewhat tongue-tied. At times, it may seem as though our enemies are as numerous as the stars in the sky, and our days as dark as night as we feel surrounded by their presence. Every man and woman of God has enemies. Otherwise, they might not truly be with God or following God. Satan is always there trying to pull you apart from God. We must be cautious. The presence of our enemies may feel strong, powerful, overbearing, and cruel. The fight against them will be fierce, long, and exhausting. But God never expects us to do it alone or without rest and provision. Amidst great conflict, God, as host to your life, provides a table in the presence of your enemies. In the middle of the battlefield, there is peace to be found. So sit down at the table and allow them to watch in horror as you have total faith in his protection as you rest and replenish your weary souls, minds, and bodies with his provisions. Take your eyes off the enemy and have faith in God. I think this is one of the strongest ponderings or thoughts I had this week. 
this peaceful feast does not seem to come after the fight, after the battle is over, but amidst the war. Despite being the middle of a great battle, despite us thinking we are at war, God says, do not worry. Sit down, kick up your legs, and stay a while. I've got this, he says. Let me handle it. Trust me. God says, rest and find peace at my table. Be replenished. Picture this. A soldier on a battlefield, if he eats it all, may snatch a quick or, or hasty meal, just a morsel or two, while gunfire is heard all around him, and he ducks and shields for cover. He shields himself from the whizzing bullets, the bullets whizzing by. He huddles down low and chews this small snack while weary and only half refreshed, only half rested. He shields himself, and then he hurries back to battle to fight his enemies. What we see here in Psalm 23 is something totally opposite, though. We see the Christian, the follower of Christ, pauses to feast in peace in the presence of the Lord as host. During the battle, not after the battle is over, he takes a break and he says, God, you've got this. I will sit at your table and feast in peace and I will not worry. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. One person once said, the Christian is not being portrayed as a warrior here. There are times when the believer must stand up and fight for God and fight with God. But that is not the situation described here. As 1 Samuel 17, 47 says, the battle is the Lord's. And as Moses said to the children of Israel as they fled Egypt, the Lord shall fight for you. You see, sometimes the Christian fights for God and with God, but sometimes we must rest and allow God to do the fighting for us on our behalf. Through this, the Christian receives rest and replenishment for his soul. While the Lord fights for you, there is no hurry, no worry, no confusion or fear. In fact, it's quite the opposite, really. We find rest, relaxation, and clarity. The eyes of his enemy may still be glaring at him, but he focuses on the host before him and the feast of peace set at the table. This makes the enemy scared. He shakes in his in his shoes as he sees the Lord taking care of his children, his people, and he realizes they have lost control of the battlefield. The enemies get to see how much the Lord loves and cares for you as his child. It's as if you are the guest of honor, the only one that matters. And this is so very true of our spiritual lives as well. The enemy is always glaring at us and trying to get us away from the presence of the great host. Away from the table, God has prepared for us. But in God's presence, there is peace, comfort, and joy. The enemies look on hopelessly while you enjoy the Lord's safety and provision. They realize they have lost and he has won because you are a child of God and he cares for you. They wish they could get to you, but they cannot. Then they begin to wish they had what you have. So two things here before we move on to point two. One, Stay in the presence of God as your host of your life, each moment of your every day. Two, invite others to the table. One, stay with God. Two, invite others to God. While in the presence of our divine God, we have an impenetrable shield around us. Take shelter under his wing and have faith, feast in peace. 
Point number two, this feast of peace promotes abundant joy. As we continue to read, Psalm 23, 5 says, you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. The idea here speaks not just of an idea of anointing with oil for healing, but the custom of welcoming a valued guest into one's home. The anointing is a means of refreshment and blessing. It's a gift upon you. It is a great honor to come into a home and to be anointed with fine oil. It was refreshing as the guests could clean up and both feel refreshed and smell refreshed after a possible long, hard journey to get to this destination. The anointing was a special touch which would show this guest love and care. And this gesture would show that they are welcomed and honored guests in their homes, and it creates a joy within their very souls. The anointing could also speak of how we are anointed with the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit in our lives at the moment we accept and follow after Christ as Lord and Savior, and this Holy Spirit continues to anoint us to bless us each and every single day of our lives. Next, we have the host filling a guest cup till it is overflowing. The honored guest now sees the host's gracious, gracious manner of provision for him, his generosity to care for all his needs. The host wants the guest not to just have a little, but to have everything and anything that he needs. This is almost like telling the guest as it's overflowing, do not be afraid to ask for more because I will give it to you. I want you to lack nothing. Think of the beginning of the Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. I need not. I have all that I need. The cup is filled to overflowing. And this is God's grace to you. It is overflowing. It covers all of our sins and it provides all of our needs. In him alone, in Christ alone, we have all of our needs met. This leads me into talking about the overflowing joy the overflowing love, the overflowing cup that David was recognizing. You see, I think David was trembling with joy as he wrote this psalm. And as he looks back upon his life, he sees that God has always filled his cup to overflowing. David looks back and sees how God has continually protected him and provided for him and his people. The Lord wants our joy to be full. He wants our joy, our cup to be overflowing. But we often take away from this because we're not willing to sit at the table, sit in his presence, follow after him. We are not poor but rich, and we must use this wisely. We must continue to dwell in his presence forevermore. More on that next week. But this, this is why I called this sermon Feast in Peace. Yes, it's a royal banquet. Yes, it's a great meal. But it is a feast because God fills our cup to overflowing. He gives us more than we need, all that we need. He continually blesses us throughout life. We need not unless we ask not. Our cup overflows when we live and dwell in the presence of God. It's like a bottomless cup of coffee, one person said. I think not. As much as I love coffee, God's presence is so much more. He gives us all we need and more because he alone truly knows all we need. If you have this cup that God fills, you must be careful as you hold it, carry it, and walk around it because it is so full that it is always dripping over. But is this a bad thing? 
I think not. You see, we must allow our cup to be seen as overflowing so that other people can see what we have, so that they can have what we have. Allow the flow of our cup to flow into other people's lives. Our point three, and as we start to wrap up, is this. This feast of peace is for Christ's followers and open for you to come to as well. There is an open invitation for guests. So point one was this feast in peace is amidst great conflict. Number two, this feast in peace promotes an abundant joy. And number three, this feast of peace is for Christ's followers. But it's open for you to come to as well because there is an open invitation still today for guests. You can be that VIP. You can be that very important person. God wants you to sit at the table and dine with us, dine with him. You have a royal banquet before you. It's a perfect host, the Lord God Almighty, three in one. And you can have peace and joy within your souls forevermore in the presence of the Lord at his table. Every day brings new anointing, new blessings, new provisions, new, new replenishment. Peace for you and with God. But I've got a question for you. Will you sit down at his table? Will you trust in him to save you, protect you, and provide for you daily? Will you continue to look to him and not to yourself, not to the world for your deepest needs for your soul? He has a table set before you with everything you need, a feast. But we must come to him. We must sit down. We must trust in him as our Lord and Savior. Jesus promises in Matthew 26, 29 to eat and drink with his disciples in the kingdom of God. And I believe that we too can look forward to this day. With great anticipation, we can look forward to this day. We too can find peace and joy in these words. As John 10, 10 reminds us of the shepherd and his sheep, the shepherd never leaves his sheep. The shepherd cares for his sheep. The shepherd saves his sheep. Jesus never leaves us. He saves us and he prepares a home for us. To wrap up, the protector we have spoken so greatly of in previous weeks is also a bountiful provider for his people, his followers. At the time this psalm was written, most likely it spoke to the godly promises to his people and physical blessings, but today, today, we see the great spiritual blessings through a Savior, Jesus. You can find peace in dangerous times when you sit with the Lord at his table, the table he prepares for you. We can have peace with the Heavenly Father and life forevermore through him and him alone. Allow Jesus to shepherd you, to shepherd your life, allow you to need not anything else. Go and fear no more. Have fearless living by living in light of a shepherd. Enjoy the table set before you even more as you see that the enemies are held back and forced to watch as you enjoy the presence of God. Thank you.